I don't know what you're going to be doing at 3.30. Actually, actually, I should say, I hope I know what you're going to be doing at 3.30 this afternoon. Uh, and that's because at 3.30, we have a uh, time reserved for praying at Alberta Bible College. We, we picked this spot because it's more centrally located, and we thought people will go home from here, they'll go home, start their afternoon, and they don't want to drive all the way back across the city again. And so if you happen to live in, in, the, in the northwest, this is quite convenient in comparison. Now, if you happen to live where Gary and Barb lives, it doesn't matter. So I, I thought, well, <laughs> if you're in the far southwest or something, it's not so convenient. But if by chance you're in the northwest, then Alberta Bible College is... Uh, is just more centrally located than here. So at 3.30 today, we're going to meet at Alberta Bible College and spend some time in prayer. And I hope that you make it. I hope that you take the time to do so. I also wanted to mention before I uh, begin this morning that, you know, we've been praying for Karina's mother, Carol, and I just was talking to Karina just now, and there's still a lot of things uh, going on there, uh, wondering whether or not the, the uh, chemo treatments that she's undergoing are really, in, w- in one sense, kind of worth it, because it does take quite a toll, and uh, she's having to go through an awful lot with all of that, and her cancer is such that it's difficult to know what the, the outcome's going to be. So we need to continue to pray for uh, Karina and her family and for Carol, and, and just ask God to, to bless them in every way. And so please continue to pray for them, and that would be wonderful. You know, after I entered uh, full-time ministry, back, I can't believe this, but it was, you know, it was like 30 years ago, 32 years ago, I entered full-time ministry. And like any other career, you know, you go to university or something, you get some training, and you go into that career, and as you start into it, you're thinking to yourself, now I know everything. You know, I've, I've gone through school, I'm ready. It's like John could go through flight school or something. And he, he gets out of flight school and he thinks, I'm done. I know everything there is to know now, so I, I enter into work. But then, very quickly, you start into the real world and you realize that you had a whole lot more to learn. In fact, most of the learning takes place on the job. The schooling kind of prepares you for it, but it really is in the course of doing your work that you begin to really learn what work is all about. And ministry is no different. And so I went into ministry, you know, I'd already had tons of biblical training and I'd, you know, I'd studied all kinds of things, but I went into ministry and I realized, shocker, at 23, I didn't know everything yet. And so very quickly, one of the things I learned as I just watched ministry take place within the church was that churches tend to follow new trends and fads the way that women change clothes during the summer. Like churches are amazing. And if all you women are offended by what I just said, I didn't mean to be offensive. I'm just calling things as I see them. (laughs) Oh boy, I'm really offensive now. Churches all the time listen to other people people's new opinions, they read new books, but most of all what churches do is they follow what churches do. And so if you're a small church somewhere and you see a big church doing something that's been really successful, you immediately begin to gravitate toward whatever it is that that big church has done. And you start following that big church in whatever style of ministry that they've done. And I realized very early that this was a trend. This is what 
churches do. They pick up on what other churches are doing, and they try new things. And then, after a couple of years, when it didn't work, they try something new. And the new thing that they try is what they saw some other big church doing. And so my first exposure to all this actually was before I ever entered full-time ministry with bus ministry. Now, I can, like, I can guarantee you that this church, and I, I didn't know this before this morning, before the first service, but I've had some, some knowledge come to me since then. But I said in the first service, I guarantee that this church at some point thought about or did have a bus ministry. Of course you did. Because for a while there, that's what churches did. And so the church I was involved with in Oregon, we had a bus ministry. And we went around and we contacted all the kids and we had them come on Sunday morning. And we were very successful at getting kids to come to church. Not so successful at getting their parents to come to church. And so therefore, after a while, bus ministries went by the wayside. When I first started in full-time ministry, one of the things that was huge was the church growth movement. And Fuller Seminary in Southern California was only about 20 minutes or so from where I was doing ministry, and that was the heart of the whole church growth world. And so we paid a lot of attention to what all of those church growth people were writing over, over at Fuller Seminary. And for five or ten years, that was the dominant way of doing ministry, and every church in the world was picking up on church growth principles. Well, that had its day. We went through the open Bible movement. We went through the special event strategy. We went through the ministry system that was championed by Ray Fullenweider at Richland Hills in Fort Worth. Organization was the key. Get everybody organized in ministry and the church will flourish. We went through the Sunday growth spiral uh, pioneered by a guy named Andy Anderson who was a Baptist. I heard him speak in Los Angeles in about 1986 or so and he was doing great things and helping churches to grow. We went through the evangelism explosion era with James Kennedy out of Florida. We went through the seeker-sensitive period with Willow Creek and uh, Bill Hybels and all of that. And I, and I can remember, actually, before I ever knew anything about this church, except I knew that Bobby Harrington was here and you guys were big into the seeker-sensitive service, seeker services. And we were doing the same kind of thing in Victoria at the same time. In fact, it was for a while there fairly effective, and our churches were doing well uh, because we were seeker-sensitive on Sunday mornings. There was uh, the purpose-driven time uh, with Rick Warren out of Saddleback. Everybody was into the purpose-driven church. And then uh, as recently as Michael's uh, tenure with Connections, the cell group ministry has been and still is still a big thing among churches. We just It's like changing clothes. How rapidly we change our philosophies of ministry. Right now, one of the big buzzwords is missional church. All churches want to be missional. It's the current trend. Although I, I would tend to think it's more than just a trend. It's, it's a good thing for churches to be missional. Well, what would happen, of course, is that these churches would flourish. Some church somewhere would do really well, and they would grow big because of the style of ministry that they would choose, and all the little churches around would think, well, that's going to be what we're going to do. We can convert large numbers of people the way they're doing, and so we would then adopt their plan. And that was frustrating for at least a couple of reasons. One is because every few years, the greatest thing since sliced bread would change. It was the new greatest thing. And so you never knew what was going to be next. The second thing is, we couldn't ever repeat as successfully the model that the original church had followed because we weren't that church. And so we would get frustrated by all of this. And it wasn't just the preacher, but it would be the elders and the members of the church would get frustrated. We've tried this. We've put a lot of money into this. We put a lot of time into this, a lot of training into this, and it just hasn't done what we wanted it to do. And so we would get frustrated 
and move on. We'd move on to the next latest, greatest thing that there was that would come into the lives of churches. Well, I want to say this morning that I'm glad about something. And what I'm glad about is that I really think our church has stopped this search for the magic method. I really think we have. And the reason why is because we have now adopted something which I find to be incredibly biblically centered, an approach to ministry that in all of my years of ministry I don't see anything that is as centered on where Jesus was centered, but mainly because what we're trying to do now is not just a new method or a scheme. It simply takes what Jesus and the early church did in its focus on reaching the world with the gospel, and it essentially says this, let's intentionally go about the task of building relationships with people, telling them about Christ, and then discipling them the way that Jesus did and talked about us doing. Now, this looks a little bit like what we used to call friendship evangelism or lifestyle evangelism. Some books that were written by people a while ago kind of trumpeted those styles. The biggest difference, though, is simply this. There is an intentional focus on discipleship in what we're doing right now that I love. And as far as I can tell, there is not going to come a time when there will be good reasons to leave this basic approach to ministry in which we're currently involved. Now, we may need to be more committed to it, It may be that we can call more people to give their lives to it. It may be that we can add some things to it. But the basic approach never needs to be changed because it's simply the approach of Christ. You build relationships with people and then you disciple these people. After you've built relationships with them, you disciple them and help them have a relationship with God and then to continue to grow until they're able to disciple people themselves. And I don't see Jesus really doing anything differently than that. And I'm not sure that we need to do much different than that. What we need is to find ways and maybe just find it within ourselves to build relationships with people and to help them have relationships with God and then to disciple those people for Christ. Now, it seems to me like that's where we're going. In fact, I think that's exactly what our mission does. That's why I love our current mission statement. It's just so simple. It's just exactly what the Bible sees Jesus doing, and we need to do the same. Well, we decided this a while ago. This is where we would go. And so what we decided is that we would follow this scripture. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people from Matthew 4.19, right at the center of what we are as a church needs to be this passage and our seeking after other people for Christ. And so we're just going to follow Jesus in what it is that he did. He said he wants us to follow him. Are we going to follow Jesus? Are we going to follow Jesus specifically in discipling other people in his name? 
And then this passage that we know so well, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Will we do that? Is that what we're about? Do we see the central nature of this call to go and make disciples of all people for Jesus? And so to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ one person at a time on our banner is really nothing more than reflective of those two passages. We're just making relationships with people, talking to them about Christ one person at a time, having them come to Jesus. We're wanting to make biblical disciples in relational environments, which is nothing more than what we're trying to do with our life groups. We have environments of people gathering together, trying to disciple one another, grow together in Jesus and so in one sense, it's all about discipleship. And, and really, this comes right out of, again, Matthew 28 and just trying to fulfill that vision for what it means to be a church. The question needs to be asked, are we becoming more and more the disciples that Jesus wants us to be? Are we following after him? Are we following him not only in his lifestyle, but also in the way in which he pursued people? These are important questions. Well, this morning, we're focused on this question, our, our mission and our vision and whether or not we're, we can fulfill for Christ this kind of vision. One of the things that happened several years ago, we appointed some elders and we said to the, the, the potential elders, if you're going to be an elder in our church, we want you to, be, to really buy into our mission and our vision. Do you? And, our, and to a man, they all said, yes, we really do buy into this mission. Now, I'm excited about this. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I think we need to continue this. And we're going to. I've asked one of our elders, Steve Aston, is going to come. And Steve is going to just talk for a moment about his impressions of our mission and where we're at as a church in terms of this mission and give you his reflections on it. Steve? Is this mic on? Yeah. So uh, when Kelly asked me to comment this morning um, I, about what, what I love about our mission statement, I thought that's a very uh, interesting question and maybe one that we don't think about so much. And um, so as I considered that, I also encourage you to think about our mission statement and uh, think about what, uh, what it is you love about that statement. For me, um, when, I, when I read the first part at the top there, to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ, that speaks to uh, discipleship. And I, I believe the message of discipleship is was what... Uh, Christ's ministry here on earth was all about. I believe it puts the emphasis uh, for us where Jesus put the emphasis. In fact, if we were so lucky to be able to contract Jesus himself to write a mission statement for us, I do believe he'd come up with something uh, very similar um, to what's on the, on the wall up there. Uh, Kelly just threw two verses up on the, on the screen there, uh, Matthew 4.19, uh, where Jesus reached out to Peter and Andrew and said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then Matthew 28, um, where Jesus, in his last words, and think about someone's last words. Last words are usually uh, reserved for what's most important. And Jesus said, Therefore, make disciples of all nations. So he, he not only his whole ministry was of discipleship, but he bookended his ministry 
with these two ideas. So I don't think there can be any clearer message for us in terms of what the main thing should be for us. That is to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I like it, or I love it, because it's very biblical. I also love it because there is a challenge in it for each one of us to grow. As we were talking about a few weeks ago in Hebrews, God wants us to move beyond his elementary teachings. We need to move beyond being spiritual infants and be spiritual parents. Parents have offspring, and so spiritual parents being disciple-makers, we too should have um, spiritual offspring. So again, this, is a, this mission statement has a challenge for us to grow and to be transformed and to move beyond uh, the, the elementary things that we maybe um, too often focus on. Thirdly, I'd like to focus to the, on, the, on the last uh, words at the bottom there, one person at a time. And for me, that speaks to uh, relationality and how uh, the effective discipleship happens when we share and connect in a very personal way. Uh, This is something that does not work well when we try to do it on a mass basis or in a corporate-wide type of uh, campaign, I believe. It's it's most effective... um, when it's done on, on one-on-one uh, type relationships in small relationship, relational environments, which, by the way, are exactly what our life groups are supposed to be and why our life groups are such a, uh, an important supporting pillar of this mission statement. And just lastly, um, I believe also that uh, this, this phrase at the bottom, one person at a time, is very important because um, it makes this mission achievable that reading the top part alone almost sounds a little bit like trying to solve world hunger and where do I start and where does it end and how do I even go about doing that. But we all have relationships in our, in our life where we can reach out and connect with people one person at a time. So that's something for me that makes the, the whole aspect of discipleship very um, something that, 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 that we can tangible, that we can, that we can achieve um, uh, you know, each and every one of us. Um, so, anyway, that's uh, some of the things I wanted to share in terms of what I love about the mission statement. And again, I'd encourage uh, all of you to also uh, consider that for yourselves. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate that. Envision. So, one of the things that I've asked for this morning is for Miles Rippenhagen, one of our elders, to come and just talk a little bit for a moment or two about how he perceives our mission, and uh, his perception of what this mission means in our church. Miles? So our mission statement, to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ, one person at a time, I think is, is really wonderful because it really focuses us on what's most important. It's really easy for individuals and even whole churches to end up... Uh, majoring in minor things and focusing on things that aren't the most important. But as the scriptures that uh, were up here a while ago from, uh, from Matthew 4, Matthew 28, point out, uh, this is what Jesus was all about. I would add to that Luke 19.10 where Jesus says that 
he came to seek and to save the lost. So when we do this, and I'll break it down into three parts, to reach the world, when we're doing that, our purpose is perfectly aligned with Jesus' purpose. And that makes sense because Jesus is the head and we're the body. We are continuing what his mission was. And that takes us right into for the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that part because it keeps us humble. It reminds us that ultimately this is not our church. It's the Lord Jesus Christ's church. And it's about him. And it's about what he did. If you take Jesus Christ out of it, we have no mission. It falls apart. The whole purpose is to bring the world to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this last part, one person at a time, I think is is really important, and it's um, uh, it, because it focuses us on a couple of things. First, the you know the first part of it seems like such a big thing, like you're trying to boil the ocean. This last part tells you where to start. It's one person at a time, and it puts it within reach of each person here. Because if you have a relationship with one other person, well, you're in a position to be able to participate in the mission of the church. I also like that last part, one person at a time, because it focuses on the fact that this is a relational thing. This is um, something that's done in the context of relationship. That's how Jesus did it. Whenever it's been done effectively, that's probably been a big part of, of any time that it's been done effectively. So... Uh, what does that look like? What does that look like in our church? Well, to me, a big part of that is our life groups. Our life groups are relational, relational environments that give us an opportunity to build relationships with people one person at a time and to help each other grow. What does that look like in our community? Uh, we're looking at a, uh, a ministry called Friendspeak, which I think I'm excited about. Uh, I don't think I'm excited about. I am excited about because it fits in with this mission statement so perfectly. It's all about building relationships, one-on-one relationships with people in our community in the context of conversations uh, that help them out with their conversational English, but based on God's word. And it's, it fits in with this because it's, it's relational, it's one-on-one, and it's taking the gospel to the world. Uh, and I think really all of our ministries that we consider should be considered in light of this mission statement because it really does serve very well to keep us focused on the one thing that's most important. Miles, I appreciate that very much. Uh, we're going to do something now that we've uh, seen done many times, but I want to do it again because every time we do it, it just illustrates the point so well. I'd like you all to stand, if you would. If you're able, please stand. And now, if if you're a Christian, if you've come to Jesus Christ, if He's your Lord and Savior, I'd like you to sit down if you came to Christ through some kind of relationship with a friend or a family member, someone known to you who talked to you about Jesus, a parent, whatever, if, if that's how you came to Jesus, I'd like you to uh, sit down, please. A few not. 
But the vast majority of you, thank you, the rest of you can sit down. The vast majority of you came to Christ because someone who was close to you talked to you about Jesus. That's how the gospel has always spread. And so in a group of whatever this is, 150 people or something, there were maybe six that remained standing at the end. The vast majority sat down. And that's because that's how God has almost always effectively brought people to him. And so we have some things that we can do as a church to, to fulfill our mission and vision, and they aren't really that complicated. They're actually fairly simple. But they, but they really take from us uh, all our effort and kind of our focus in order to make them happen. And so first of all, if our vision and mission is going to be completed, we as a people, as a church, have to be committed to our mission and vision in action and not just words. In other words, someone needs to go talk to somebody about Jesus. And we need to have the commitment of our hearts behind this kind of action. And so one of the most, maybe the most valuable thing that you could do right now for the mission of our church and for us to fulfill it would be for you to set the mission and vision as a priority, a high priority in your life and then act on this priority. In other words, allow this mission to drive you, to cause you to make life decisions perhaps even, for it to control you. And so in the first service, John and Tyra Hedges were sitting there and I looked out and I I thought to myself, John and Tyra love our church. And I don't know all the reasons that John and Tyra just recently moved back from Texas to Calgary. I know part is because John's trying to start a business here. And so they moved back to Calgary. But why Calgary? Why are they here? One of the reasons I would like to think is because in addition to everything else, they look at our situation and say, we would like to add something to the mission of the church. And that they would allow this kind of life-controlling decision to be made by, partially anyway, their emphasis on our mission. And say, we want to have a hand in bringing these things about, these conversions of people in Calgary, Alberta, to the Lord. They want to do something with that and have a hand in that. I hope that kind of mission controls some of their life decisions. And so I hope you too think to yourself, we've got decisions to make about whatever, about life, where we're going to live, what we're going to do, how we're going to spend our time, how we're going to raise our kids, what we're going to buy, where we're going to go. And I'd like to think that this mission statement would actually drive some of your decisions, if not all of the big ones, as you think, what do I want to do with my life? Does it somehow have something to do with the fulfillment of this mission? Because it seems to me Christ wants that to be at the center of your thinking. He called Christians to something. He called them specifically to this. And so we would, I would think, have this right at the center of what it means not just to be a Christian, but simply what it means to be alive. For us, this becomes a driving principle. Second thing I would like to think could happen is that we would really seriously begin to build relationships with people who don't know Christ and help them build relationships with Christ. You know, it's not hard for you to find somebody who doesn't know Christ. 
That's pretty easy. It's an easy thing for you to find someone who doesn't know Christ. The hard part is loving them enough to build relationships with them so that they can hear in you and see in you and find in you the gospel through the relationship that they have with you. And this seems to me to be right at the center of what Christ is calling us to. When he says, I'll make you fishers of men, doesn't Christ making us fishers mean that we're going to be seeking those who don't know Christ and build relationships with them? When he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, disciple them, teach them to do everything that I've, that I've commanded them to do, isn't it true that relationship building with people makes that possible. And so we're called to build relationships with people who don't know Christ and help them build relationships with Christ. That seems fairly simple. But it's right at the core and the heart of what it means to be a Christian. Now I would go a step further in our specific case and say that for us part of this means being part of a life group. And that's because in life groups, we've specifically said we have the capacity to see discipleship take place. And so we can disciple one another and help each other grow in specifically that kind of context. And there's some wonderful things that happen in life groups. Number one, it puts you in a relational environment where you can grow. There aren't very many people who grow by themselves out there on their own. In fact, I, most Christians I know who are relatively separated from other Christians tend to slide by. They tend to see their faith wane a bit. It's not as strong as it otherwise would be. The relationships that they have with people in Jesus tend to build them up and support them and help them to grow, and we need that. And so I really encourage you to be a part of a group because it'll help you grow. But the second reason is because it's not just a matter of my own growth, but it's the growth of others. And you know, when I, I was telling the, the first service, when I came here this morning, I cannot tell you how encouraged I was to be here. Last night, I had a tough night. And I actually went to life group last night, but I wasn't in a good mood when I went. And it was just because a number of things were going on. I've got this eye condition that's really bugging me. If you walk up to me and, and shake my hand today, you're going to look at my right eye and you're going to say, boy, he's got pink eye, that, you know, conjunctivitis. I better stay 10 feet away from him. Well, I don't think it is. It's been there for about three months. I don't think it's conjunctivitis. I don't know what it is. Okay, I need to go to the doctor, but I'm stubborn, so I'm not going until tomorrow. But I am going to go to the doctor. I'm going to get this fixed. But I wasn't in a good mood because my eye was hurting. It was just bothering me. And then I wasn't in a great mood for other things. You know, I could name all those people, but I won't. <laughs> and uh, so I was just irritated about some different things. And I, and I was at life group, and I, you know, I was kind of by myself. And a couple of people came over and said, you know, how are you doing? And uh, you know, I just wasn't all that sociable or anything. But when I came this morning, and I was just with you, I cannot tell you how much of a blessing it was to just be with the church this morning. And even last night, like by the time like I'm there and everybody else is kind of in a good mood and they're singing and we're talking in our group about uh, a passage out of Hebrews, you know, and by the end of the evening, I'm starting to come out of all of that because being around people who love the Lord, it just impacts you. And so we need that. And what I'm, what my point right now is, is that the people around you right now need you. And when you don't show up here on Sunday morning, or you don't go to life group or you're not fellowshipping with other Christians, you're not having the positive impact on those people's lives that you need to have. 
And so sometimes we're just focused on ourselves and thinking, well, I'm not getting anything out of this, or this, you know, this isn't doing me as much good as I want it to, or whatever. And the whole time the Lord is trying to say through His Spirit, well, maybe you should go minister to somebody else. And maybe you should be doing some things for some other folks in terms of your attendance at something or presence at something. And it's just the way that is. We bless one another and help each other to grow. Another thing that happens, of course, is that when you're in a life group, because you're trying to disciple other people and help them grow, it puts you right at the center of what we want to get accomplished as a church. Because what we want more than anything is to see people discipled for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would hazard a guess that those of us who are not as attached to the body as others are at the same time not as active at discipleship. I hazard that guess. And so if you look at your life and say, who am I discipling? In what ways am I specifically helping others grow? I hope you can name some things because we need to be doing that within the body. Go into the world and make, what does it say? Disciples. We need to be involved with that. And I hope that you are. And life groups put us right at the center of the process of making disciples. And uh, you need to find someone to disciple along with that, by the way. Don't just assume it's going to happen. Have some intentionality. Find somebody to disciple in the Lord Jesus Christ to help them grow. And then the last thing I want to say with reference to all this, and, and I, hope you can, I hope you hear me out here. Building relationships with people who don't know Christ is right at the heart of things. Being in a relational environment and helping others to grow and growing yourself is right at the heart of things. Finding somebody to disciple is right at the heart of things. And I would like to see you do that before you find yourself involved in other supporting ministries in our church. Okay? Let me say that again, just in case you were daydreaming for a moment. Okay? You're thinking about the roast that you're going to eat in a while. You're thinking about some football game. There are no meaningful football games until next week. Okay? Some of you will get that. Some of you will get that. Others of you are rooting for the wrong team. (laughs) Building relationships with people, discipling people for Jesus in life groups, being part of one so that you can help others grow, these things are right at the core of what it means for us as a church to fulfill our mission and our vision. And it's actually way more important, both for you and for our church, that you do that first and as a priority before you do some of the other supportive ministries in which we're so often involved. And so in other words, before you decide to be a Sunday school teacher, and I love Sunday school teachers. My wife has been one for 35 years. And she needs to be. It's wonderful. It's a calling for her. It's fantastic. But before you're a Sunday school teacher, before you work in the sound room, before you make any lunches for kids in our schools, uh, you know, where we're making lunches and taking them to the schools on Mondays and Wednesdays and feeding children, before you're involved in the praise team, before you're involved 
leading the men's ministry or the women's ministry or before you're involved in the finance ministry or operations or before you're involved with vacation Bible school or whatever else. The first priority for you as a Christian is not to be involved in those ministries. They're great, but that can't be our priority. Not if we're going to fulfill our mission. Because the mission has to do with building relationships with people to help them know who Jesus Christ is. The basic mission has to do with discipling people for Jesus Christ. And the other supportive ministries are wonderful, but we can do the supportive ministries all day long, all year long, and you know what we have? We have a church that's just maintaining its existence. If I can get that out. We have a church that just comes on Sunday morning and we worship together and we do wonderful things and we bless each other in certain ways, but we're not necessarily fulfilling the mission. And Jesus called us to fulfill the mission. Build relationships with other people so that they can know Jesus Christ and then disciple those people for him so that they can become the disciples that they should be who go and build relationships with other people so that they can come to know Jesus Christ. And everything else we do is they're good things, but they have to come after that in our lives. And if they don't, somehow the mission isn't really being fulfilled. And so all those things have to do, I think, all those extra things need to be done in addition to building relationships with people who don't know Christ. And in addition to being in relational environments where we help each other grow and disciple one another. And in addition to finding someone specific to disciple and bring them along. I'm absolutely convinced that the key to our church being as successful as possible is in this central focused ministry and fulfilling the mission as it stands very specifically in building these relationships and bringing people along. Do I, do I want there to be fewer Sunday school teachers? Of course not. Do I want us to have the praise team depleted? Of course not. All of these things have to happen. But if the other doesn't happen... Are we really fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ in our world? Let's pray. Lord, I would pray that you would help us to prioritize the things that we do in ministry. Help us, Father, to see the, the central call, the central mission, the central vision for you, what you want us to be and to do. And Father, I... I know you want ministry in all its aspects to go on. We need to serve each other and get things accomplished, and so there are a lot of things that we need. But most of all, what we need is for us to talk to other people about Jesus. And so help us to do that. Shape our behavior. Help us to be so committed to the task that we make decisions based on the mission that we find ourselves communicating the message about your son to the world in these kinds of relationships. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.